we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we have gone to another place. I'm just going to leave it there. I'm not going to do anything fancy and exciting. You know, I, I try to make up something witty and exciting, and my brain's just not there. We're just going to say another place. Not just and another I gotta time. Some, yeah, I got to do something witty. You know, uh, uh, another place, another time in the planetoid. In the Age of Wonders. Age of Wonders. Yes! There is only war. Wait. No, yes. no, no, no. Don't go there. <laughs> you can't fight in here. This is the war room. <laughs> Excellent reference. Uh, uh, no, I was I was actually quoting the introduction to the Dark Crystal. Yes, yes. I knew um, you knew. I, I love Doctor Strange. Love it's it's a crazy messed up movie, but that is one of my favorite lines that came out of that movie. Yeah, you know? it is one of the best lines in cinema history. It's it, it's the it's crazy. It's but I, I can imagine a four-star or five-star general saying something like that. You know, you can't find here. It's a war room. It's like, isn't that the exact thing you're supposed to? Yeah, anyways. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, folks, uh, welcome to tonight's episode or today's episode or this afternoon's episode or whenever you are listening to it because that's the time it is for you. Um, even though we are recording in the evening and it's that time of year again where it gets dark at five o'clock. Which is just weird. And not only that, today it snowed where we're at. And uh, I don't know if you guys experienced, but there was a giant flash of lightning and a huge peal of thunder, which is really rare in a snowstorm. Uh, it was kind of crazy. But for me, it was like, what the heck? Did a, a transformer blow? And then it, wow, we had lightning and and wow okay cool so uh you know 2020 keeps delivering weird crazy stuff you know we've had all the hits we've had inland hurricanes we've had fire tornadoes then i seriously expect to have a sharknado anytime soon it wouldn't even be surprising at this i know that's that's the crazy thing is about this year that if we had one people are like yep there's 20 no way i i vaguely remember that there was a sharknado elsewhere in the country that there was a tornado that came through actually picked up some sea life and like tossed it around i'm gonna have to find the article on that one but i remember i remember saying did we actually have a literal sharknado i I do vaguely have something in the back of my head tickling me around about that too okay actually i i just pulled it up um well but that was 2017 no, no, I mean, it was it was this year. Yeah, anyway, anyway, we'll have to look into that. But yes, 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 yes. this year has been that kind of special. OK, it, you know, it, it's crazy. The, the the stuff that has come up this year, you know, who in their right mind would have ever thought that we would be fighting for dear life in the middle of a store for toilet paper? You know, um, who? Who would have thought that they would have a candlelight vigil because a truck full of toilet paper crashed and caught on fire, <laughs> desperately needing to go to you know sit you know places in Texas? Uh, yeah, it's it's been a weird year. It definitely has, and it's it's not over yet. We've still got a month and a half left. But nevertheless, and, the most magical part of this year is good conversations with good friends. Yes, Aww. yes. Oh. Uh, but I, I, I do have to put it out there 
there are some very important birthdays coming up, and we, we, we should probably go to Star Wars land for those birthdays. You know, we, we, once upon a time ago, we flew a spaceship on a mighty mission, oh, barely yeah, survived, um, but we did survive that mission by the skin of our teeth and by the prowess of our mighty, mighty brain power. I, I, yeah, words are escaping me tonight. Because it was a strong crew in a tough situation. Yes. You know, uh, we had some very interesting moments. Uh, we almost didn't make it out of the space dock because our, our pilot was struggling <laughs> with the controls. Pilot um, Jessica. <laughs> you know, it reminds me a lot of, you know, uh, Galaxy, Galaxy Quest. Quest, where they're flying out for the first time. Um, it, you know, it, it, but it, it was fun. It was fun. Um, we will have to do that again. We, yes, we will. Maybe, maybe we will. Maybe that will be a bonus thing we can do. You know, we could, we'll have some challenge or some contest where our listeners can join the three of us. Oh, that'd be awesome. You know. That would be awesome. I don't know if we would be the command, make them commanding officers or whatever, but we would be part of the crew. Uh, that could be fun. That could that'd be fun. Be great. And for those of you who are just joining or who are new to this, understand that Dan and I both have birthdays in December. So yes. we try we try on occasion. I guess there's only ever been one time. But now that we are regularly hanging out with each other every week, um, we will in the future frequently combine our birthdays to have some terribly nerdy malarkey go on. And it will be yes. great. Yes, it will be. It would be awesome and amazing. Um, I mean, there's so many ideas we could do. I mean, literally, uh, we'll have to talk about those otherwise. Anyways, uh, we're going to move forward. Uh, just so you guys know, uh, because the show is near and dear to our hearts, uh, we are in the process of changing. Now, this change, change is always good. Change is never bad. I know people hate change, but change... Yeah, if you don't change, you don't challenge your stuff, things become boring. Things become, you know, boring. We, we got to be careful not to be we, we got to be careful not to be stale. We don't want to be the yeah, croutons yeah, of the we, podcast world. Yeah, we we want to we want to make things challenging and fun and exciting, but most importantly, we want to draw you in. We want you guys, the listeners, to be part of this show just as much as we are. We want it to be more than just a "Hey, we're tuning in and listening." Uh, so, with that said, we're going to be, be doing some rebranding. We're still going to be dungeon crawlers. We're going to still be the awesome show that you enjoy, but we're going to be uh, setting up a Discord server uh, or Discord. Maybe it's not a server. Discord. No, no, uh, you're I, right. You're right. Yeah, Discord you're right. server. Okay. Just making sure. Uh, where you nailed it, boss. Desperately trying to fit in with the kids. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> We're yeah. hep with the jive talk. Yeah. Uh, I, I. Right now in this moment, because of this, I feel so awkward. I feel like Johnny from Cobra Kai, where he's like, yeah, I got, <laughs> I got me a smartphone, and I'm on the Facebook app now. <laughs> that show is is genius i feel so sorry for that guy because you know the way he's like he's like you sold me a crappy machine it won't turn on how do you get this thing to work well did you push the power button yeah i did and then he, the guy opens it up and pushes it and it kicks on <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to get on the internet it's not working did you connect to the wi-fi yeah i did what's a wi-fi uh <laughs> 
Um, great. It's okay. I assure our viewers out there, we have done a lot more pre-work in getting this ready to go. And even though Dan will be on the server, he may or may not necessarily be the one making sure that everything is well moderated. You want to so. know what? This is, the, <laughs> this is the really silly part. Uh, I used to be a network engineer way back in the day for Utopia. Um, after 13 years, I burnt out and I just like, I'm, I'm done. I'm not looking back and I haven't. So <laughs> as sad as that is, I mean, I, I probably after a little bit, I'd pick up on it and I'd be fine, but. Oh, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. No, so I I'm behind that. the times on a lot of the stuff, but yes, we're going to set up the discord server. We want you to be part of it. Uh, we're going to announce when we're going to be having guests come on. You know, so like in the future, when we have Bob Salvatore, R.A. Salvatore come on the show, we're going to announce it on there. And you guys, we're going to say, hey, if what questions would you want to have asked to Bob? Uh, and we will select some of those questions. So as you're listening, one of your questions could be the question or we ask Bob, you know, or one of our other fantastic authors. Or we may have a game designer come on. You know, we're going to let you know what game we're talking about. And you could, you know, maybe you have questions about that game. Um, you've been following the, the, the information about it leading up to the Kickstarter. Or maybe you're watching the Kickstarter and you don't want to buy in yet until you know certain things. And you can ask those questions and we may ask those for you. Uh, on top of that, we definitely want a lot more um, interaction. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. We want interaction from you guys. The truth is we miss interacting with you guys in oh the in the age of COVID and we haven't been able to go to uh, any cons or events because there are no cons or events and we miss you guys and we want to hang out with you. Yeah. This is the best way we can do that. And just like any good D&D adventure, there will inevitably be weird things that happen along the way outtakes and extra content and things behind the scenes that we really want to have everybody be a part of because some of our best stories and adventures in, you know, the first 12 years of DCR now have been because of our interactions with each of you. And even the way that we've had hosts and co-hosts and guests come on and off the show has been entirely based upon all of that interaction and that person to person aspect and so if we sound tired in the last few episodes and the next few episodes, it's only because we're working double and triple time right now to really make 2021 a killer year as we go into a new season of Dungeon Crawlers. Yep. True story. I mean, some of the greatest times in the past uh, doing the show, because uh, I have done it, uh, you know, going into 2021 will be the 13th year, um, was when we did... Uh, programs like the epic showdown where we you know we put it out there we said hey this is my champion this is what we would do and then we had the listeners vote uh there was the game report we did years back where people would email in their questions about their gaming questions hey we're running this campaign this is the problem i've ran into as the dm or this is hey i'm a player i'm trying to construct this character and this is the problem i've ran into and then we would give our advice that was really exciting when we could interact. And then sometimes we'd have those people write back. Wow, I followed your advice. This is what happened. It was awesome. Um, those were really exciting moments. Those were fun because we could, the interaction was happening. It was pretty much like almost 
great, better instant gratification than you get when you jump onto Facebook and scroll through and see what everyone else is doing because this is something positive that we saw that we were doing. You know, it's awesome when we have authors come on and they come back saying, hey, that was awesome, great, thanks for having me on, I saw a boost in my sales. You know, it's always nice to have those things to know that what we're doing makes a difference. Uh, it also helps to know that you guys enjoy what we're doing. Sometimes we do something and we love it, but we don't know if you love it. And sometimes when we see that that episode isn't downloaded as much, well, we just figure you didn't like it. Um, but maybe you don't know what that episode's about, so you skip it because, you know, you don't know what the Rad Dome is. Well, if you don't know what the Rad Dome is, you should listen to it because it's awesome. And there's another uh, one coming soon. Yes, there's the Turkey Bowl <laughs> edition coming soon. I'm so excited uh, for that. <laughs> I, I am too. You know, and, and here's for a uh, clunky transition, but nevertheless, I feel like it is time to transition. We've got great things coming next year, and we are hoping that we can have a lot more cool interaction with you guys online, even if offline is still a little clunky, because regardless of what happens, this is the way. Yes. Ooh. Uh, oh, and, and I like that. I, you know, I like how you transitioned that by using clunky. This is the way because no you know the Razor Crest is a clunky ship. It is uh, <laughs> most, and I have to say this: almost every amazing ship in the Star Wars universe that you just like, man, that is the ship is clunky. It's weird. You know, the Falcon, very weird and clunky. You know, Dash Rendar ship, weird and clunky. The Razor Crest crest weird and clunky the the ships that are like streamlined and super amazing you don't really you know darth maul's ship eh, no one really cares about that because super it's attractive not, it's super, super amazing ship. it looks sleek and pretty but no one wants to fly that ship what ship does everyone want to fly in the star wars universe a the freaking x-wing or the millennium falcon <laughs> I, yeah you know and x-wings are outdated y-wings are outdated you know, I got super excited today when I was playing Star Wars Lego because I could fly a freaking Y-Wing, and, and that was awesome for me. Uh, now, please don't tell me you can fly a Y-Wing in Star Wars Squadrons because then that means I'm going to have to buy the dumb thing. Um, You're probably going to have a, to buy the dumb thing. That, that yes. is a conversation for another day. Dang it, I'm dang. also mildly disappointed that you are playing Lego Star Wars without Without Alton. Sorry. Yeah. Because I've had an itch that will hopefully be scratched very soon. No spoilers. <laughs> yep, yep. I play yeah, every that's, day. That's definitely upcoming for right. sure. So with that said, we're going to be talking about Mandalorian. So if you haven't watched any of the new season two episodes, turn it off. Spoiler alert! Yep. Turn the show off. Go away. Go watch the episodes. Come back. Um, if you, We're, we're going to talk a little bit about the end of season one. Uh, we're not going to go into depth with it so if you haven't seen the end of season one turn it off go watch it come back uh very if you haven't if you haven't watched season one yet and you have access so to do be a good nerd go watch it like you should have done and yeah. then come back here for the rest of the show and if you haven't watched it because well you've been a little worried about the star wars universe because of the last films well guess what go watch them because you're gonna be happy you did uh, there's a definite awesome payoff. So, all right. So jumping into the Mandalorian. Um, I mean, definitely John Favreau has done a fantastic job, uh, with this series. And Dave uh, Filoni. 
alongside with Dave Filoni. Um, oh, and others too, but and and other fantastic directors, but those two have been kind of the the spearhead, I would say, behind the, the lifeblood. Yeah, and they have done a fantastic, fantastic job uh, of really bringing Star Wars to the television screen in a way that feels both epic and reminiscent of the original trilogy. Um. Beyond that, uh, if you are a Western fan, I know there's a lot of people out there blowing up how this is like a Western, and if you've seen any other Western, you're pretty much rehashing the same thing. I think that's what's brilliant about what they've done. Precisely, and that's the thing, is that things things can be in tropes, and things can be, formulaic isn't the right word, but they can fall into rhythm. And still be good. Yes. Because then it allows you to use that information that you already know to skip past all the low-level information and focus on the nice, meaty, rich flavors and textures that sit all around the outside of that center bone. So don't don't anybody out there ever feel bad for liking something that you understand all of the main plot points beforehand. It is entirely fine. Well, the nice thing about kind of having this underlying like Western theme, you know, he's a bounty hunter. The music fits perfectly for that type thing, but it allows you to automatically, you know, the tropes, it automatically makes some assumptions with the character that they don't have to go into detail with. You know, we know he's the shoot first, no nonsense type of guy, but we've kind of seen where he's kind of, steadied himself but he's not afraid to pull punches you know the that first episode where he's like i promise you will not die by my hands i heard that and i'm like oh dude we're gonna get something even cooler yeah uh, you know and we we saw it we didn't have to see the death or anything what happened but you know he shoots out the lights and you see all the red lights and then you see the guy screaming and it was just like oh my gosh that was such an awesome bad guy moment um, and he was uh, the bad guy was voiced by John Leguizamo. Yeah. Mm. Which is yeah. awesome. Uh, we've seen some really cool things. Uh, the, even the interaction with the child uh, has changed a little bit, you know, where you see the child realize, oh, crap, a fight's going to happen. And he jumps out, hits the panel that closes the lid on his little hover pod so that. Yeah, he, he knows, knows what's going to happen. He's seen the pattern. He understands yeah. now, which yeah. is good because he's over 50 years old. He yeah. should be pretty cognizant of this. <laughs> he knows what's going on. Um, but I like that. I like that there's this new kind of relationship there where I've been I've been tasked to take the child back to his people. Well, I mean, that's epic in itself because we've never seen anyone other than a couple of uh, individuals from Yoda's species, you know, uh, We've seen Yadel, we've seen Yoda, we said Xandar from the Knights of the Old Republic, but that's really that it um, up until the child. So, you know, are we being led up to he just finds one of them, or are we led up to he's going to find the planet? We're going to know more, um, which is interesting in itself. The thing I really am loving about season two is it, they're really expanding beyond the horizons of what we've seen you know we've got to see 
the crate dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, for me, see, was the biggest treat. I mean, that was cool. But we got to see further in depth the sand people, how they interact, how they are on Tatooine. And then we kind of see a truce uh, between the two people. Uh, they work together. And, you know, there, there's the promise. They will never attack your town until one of you raises a gun to them. Uh, and then they're, they're like, well, how can we trust them? Because they're more honorable than you. I, I love that. Uh, where Mando pulls that out. They are the more honorable people than, than you are. Yeah, true. Uh, well, and it was also really cool. I, I mean, one of, the, one of the nice little, again, meaty chunks of, of that episode is dealing so much more with sand people culture, understanding a little bit more of the way that they interact, but also being able to see a, a lot of the really kind of flagrant bigotry exhibited by the settlers. Clearly, we're not there first, but who have come to believe that they are the ones being infringed upon, right? And because we see a little bit of that when we talk about sand people in A New Hope and uh, also in in the the prequels, but we've never really understood that interaction and framing it in this kind of Western trope, but taking it to the next level instead of only viewing it through the cowboy's eyes, right? But actually yeah. going through and seeing what that type of displacement leads to inevitably uh, creates some very interesting not only character development, but a lot for me anyway, a much deeper appreciation and understanding of some of the things that, that came before that we already know are established canon. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the sand people, the only real occurrences we've had with them are, you know, Luke and new hope and, you know, Obi-Wan making the crate dragon noise and then them running off. Um, we saw them in Phantom Menace where they were shooting the, the pod racers and then, you know, where Anakin goes out and, they're monsters, I slayed them, you know. You know, but even then, he went in and slaughtered innocent people. I mean... Not only the men, but the women yeah, and the, the raiding children. children. Um, but when we... Then we pull back and see them here. You know, they're, they're very... They're, they're just like you and I. They're, except for... You know, they look different, but they have families. They're tr- they're struggling. They've tracked this creature over centuries. They've learned to live around it so that they can still survive. They've learned to survive in the most harshest of environments. Uh, even with all these other races that have suddenly appeared on their planet. That's right. The sand people were there first. Uh, all the humans and other aliens are actually the invaders. So, of course... They have every right to be pissed and to shoot at your pod racer and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but that's the thing that was really cool about seeing them and seeing that they had a language. You know, before it was just this weird yell. No, they have a language that coincides with the sign language. Um, they have dogs, you know. I never would have thought sand people had dogs. I just saw they had banthas. But no, they have pet dogs. Who would have thought you're, there were dogs on Tatooine? You're I blocking episode three. Yeah, sorry. But it's really interesting uh, that, that they expanded on that. You know, then we move into this 
Second, oh, did you have something to say before we move on? Well, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to visit this topic a little bit too. I sure. episode one of season two was a was a thorough treat for me as a longtime Star Wars fan because there were so John Favreau directed this episode and he is exceptional at fan service without being heavy-handed or slapstick about it. Uh, he knows exactly how to serve the fandom without um, sort of poisoning the well, if you will. Uh, he he did so many things in this episode that were choice. I remember when I first saw the motion in the sand, and it was obviously something giant, and my first thought was, oh, it's a young Sarlacc on the move. That was just my thought. And it's going to swallow these things, it's going to make a pit, and da, da 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 And then it was like so much worse than that because it was a crate dragon, which is interesting because it's called a crate dragon because it's supposed to come from the planet Crate. And we're not on the planet Crate. We're on Tatooine. But that said, <laughs> um, that said, uh, they did, he did so many things right. The sound the Crate Dragon makes in the show is sampled from the original sound that Obi-Wan Kenobi made in Star Wars when it was released in theaters in 1977 and then subsequently on VHS as A New Hope uh, in, in the early 80s. Um, it it was the original sound before George Lucas went back and said, oh, no, that doesn't make any sense that a Jedi would be able to make that sound. So we're going to make it sound like he's just a crazy homeless man because he's alone and sad. You know, like, I'm so glad that they did not use the whooping, hooping holler, uh, which is a terrible sound effect, as opposed to the crazy uh, monster-like sound he made in the first film, uh, in the original version, I should say. And they they resampled that for the crate dragon in this show so that the crate dragon would actually be that sound because that was originally what obi-wan did he made a crate dragon sound and so it was great that they did that um if the eagle eyed of you w when you watch you will see uh a red r2 uh, or a red astromech unit and that was um r2d5 or yeah it's yeah. r5 that blew blew the motivator at the beginning yeah of the it was r5 and and if you ever find like the original decipher ccg cards uh they in the flavor text it sometimes they have stuff about the story sometimes they have behind the scenes and in the story of r5 uh it says very clearly that he like you said dan he purposely blew his motivator yeah. so that r2 and c3po wouldn't be separated and so they had that and and they confirmed uh, after the episode that that was the same droid canonically um there's just so much they did with this episode that was so powerful and connected Mando to the real Star Wars universe without, you know, without without accidentally stepping into uh, political realms, at least not in this episode. Right. Um, and and you're right. Oh, the sand people, the that the the sign language they used, they hired a, a deaf actor to help them design the sign language. And so they're using a real gesture based language which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and, and it gives it an authenticity when you watch the episode. It, th this episode was among my all time favorites among all the Mando episodes. This is, this is like in the top three. Yeah. Well, um, so just going back, so crate dragons are actually from Tatooine, not crit, planet crate. Um, there are two species. There's the greater crate dragons and the Canyon dra crate dragons. So, um, psh High fives across the internet, man. Yep. The, <laughs> the canyon ones are smaller than, of course, the greater. Um, but the really cool thing 
it, when I did see R five and that that the little the uh, the scorching, uh, and this story isn't canon, but I feel like they kind of tried to make it canon by seeing the scorching. But R five was the only known droid that they've actually put in existence that connected to the Force was able to see the future, and that is why he blew the motivator. Is because if R two and three PO did not stay together. The Sith would not have fallen. That's where I'd never heard of that before. And yeah. it, it feels to, strange it's, it's to me. It's a little short. It's a little short story. I'll have to find it and send it to you. It's really cool. Um, did it? Did that end up making it out of Legends? I don't. I can't remember if it did or not. Uh, but seeing R five there was just. It was perfect. It was uh, special. And and I I feel like those are the small things that make fans happy. You know. The way they threw R2 in to episode seven was pathetic. Um, you know, it, I understand they wanted a new droid. That's why we got BB-8. But R2 should have been in there more. Uh, we want to see R2. You know, yes, we didn't see R5 that much. But the, the, um, the putting him in there was purposefully. It was good. What they did with R2 wasn't. Um, and I think that really pays homage to those things. Even they didn't even have Boba Fett show up in this episode but we saw oh, his hang armor. on no, no no that's not true do we no it, there's very, some speculation the that episode. might not be him there is some speculation um, that might not be him but okay. we don't Fair know enough. we don't know yet more than likely you're correct it could be him um but it's set up to be him but it might not be i can really i can accept interesting that because if you pause that last shot there he has a slit across his throat and it's sutured um so Watch it again. Uh, pause it. it. You can see it, um, which is interesting. Uh, but at the same time, I, I like where they're going. It's definitely positive. And we move into the second episode. We see the new frog creature. We don't. I, I don't even know frog what lady. They, they just call yeah. her frog lady. Frog if you lady. watch the subtitles, it just says frog lady. Yeah. yeah. I love the fact that she hooks up. The, the droid that's in, in the razor crest to talk yes. to him and it's moss from the yeah. IT group it's boy. richard iowati yeah and it's just like oh my gosh really but that was that was great uh, i know a lot of people are upset with baby yoda eating the eggs i don't know why okay so i just i, I was out to dinner tonight with the family and and a headline came across and it was that headline and actually star wars execs have gone for the first for the first time in a long time, they've actually gone on the defensive yeah. to explain why something is. And and I'm looking at this and my wife and I both looked at each other and we had the exact same question, which is with everything that's going on in the world, are we really going to spend our energy on an imaginary reptilian like alien creature preying upon another imaginary reptilian like alien creature with eggs that are un? Uh, unfertilized anyway. Yeah. Like, well, are we really going to spend our cycles on that? Well, here's the thing. We've already seen the child eat a whole freaking frog. Yes, he had a whole live. It was alive. Yeah, he swallowed is... a whole frog. So why wouldn't he eat frog eggs? Well, and on top of that, like, how many people who are complaining about that scene are still eating like scrambled eggs with their breakfast in the morning? Oh, know, like, maybe not all of them, but like, yeah. come on, guys. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, where does he keep getting these eggs? And why haven't we ran out yet? Because it seemed like every other chance he's like, puts oh. up his hand, he's got another one. Whoop. 
I mean, like even at the very end of the move of the whole episode, yes, you see that his rope. he's got he like pulls one out and whoop, it's like, yeah. where I do keep, you keep coming up with these things? I, I keep I keep thinking of um, Will Ferrell as Buddy the Elf popping oh, yeah. cotton balls into his mouth. Yeah, <laughs> right. And and put the, no more, no more. Put those down. He takes them out of his hand, and there's nothing in his hand, and then he brings the other hand over and pops another one in. Well, it, and, it, honestly, this is the thing. If you've ever had a kid. How many times? I, I know. Right I know. For me, every time around Halloween, uh, or, or we have candy in the house, it's like, where do you keep coming up with candy? I know. I put all the candy up on the highest shelf. I know. I have checked everything, and yet you still have a sucker. Where did that come from? Or you have yeah, this yeah. bag of Skittles. Where is this candy coming from? It's the same thing with the child. It's like. I have eggs, but you don't know where they're stashed. I had that exact same thought. I'm like, anyone who's ever had a kid knows this is actually what happens in yeah. real life. Yeah, it is. And I think it's fantastic that they incorporated with this. I, yes, he's 50 years old, but he's still a, a child. He's an infant. Yeah. Uh, in, in With his race. He's like, I in my mind, I imagine him as a three-year-old. He, you know, even though he's 50 years old, he's like a three year old yeah. in, in his race. And he is acting like a three year old would, you know, even to the fact that he crawls over to these other alien eggs and then cracks one open and eats it. Mm, yummy. And yeah. then starts that whole debacle. Uh, <laughs> but then he starts wigging out and starts running like, and, and crying like, oh, no, I'm in trouble. Um which was fantastic. I love the development of the character. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I, I don't care yeah, what absolutely. other people are complaining about. I really love the development of the character and the relationship between the two. Yes, it's not a "ooh, I love you" relationship, but it's still, you know, Mando still is taking, you know, caring for this kid. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Looking out for his well-being. Um, I love how they brought the X-wings in, and. They're doing a and, security yeah. check. Uh, I love the fact that Dave Filoni is one of the pilots. And he Which returned. actually links back to the uh, prisoner episode yeah. of season one. Yeah. Because in, all the X-Wing pilots in that episode were, uh, they were all three different directors of the show of yeah. season one, so, including well, and, Dave Filoni. And, and that, was, that was also one of the cool things about that particular chapter was it was the only... Uh, episode last season that wasn't written by either John Favreau or Dave Filoni. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is now them not only being like, yes, this is a legitimate part of the story that we're not just shoehorning in, but we really want to make sure that there's cross through. And the other thing that I really remarked to Tasha about as soon as I, I think I even paused the episode like two minutes from the end or less than that even. And I just turned to her and I said, this is exactly the type of story that I always try to build into my long running campaigns is that idea of that mid campaign, like scary encounter that something comes in and the tail end and saves the day. But I always, always, always try to bring home some kind of scene that says your actions have consequences. Nothing is forgotten. Yeah. Yes. Right? Like not just having an encounter be a throwaway encounter, an episode be a throwaway episode that never means anything. If you've got a bounty hunter or a team of, of adventurers or a superhero or whatever, that's going around rocking everybody in the quadrant. 
you better believe it's going to be noticed. It's going to be remembered. It's going to be talked about. And there will inevitably at some point be consequences very real. Yes. Well, and that's the nice thing about this episode at the end there. It does show that, you know, all, all actions have consequences, whether positive or negative, Mm -hmm. you know, and in this case they worked out for him, you know, yeah, they weren't going to help him, but they weren't going to arrest him either. It was, it was a balanced, it it was a balanced uh, scale, right? Um, They, they, they knew that he was on that prison brig for, or that prison frigate for criminal and nefarious purposes, but they also saw how his actions were counter to the reason he was there. And so they, they wiped his slate clean, but (laughs) he's like, Hey, would you do some heavy labor for me? Uh, on this frozen rock. Mm, nah. How about you get that ping signal fixed? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, you know, and not only that, I like the fact that they put themselves in as characters. You know, these these guys have done a fantastic job with this series. They deserve to be immortalized in that. You know, even if it is a small, small character, they're now part of this universe that they have yeah. played. And I think it's only fitting that they put themselves... And, and I appreciate the fact that they're not putting themselves in as some big, fantastic character of importance. It's just a small character that now their presence is in there, which I think is wonderful. And, and apparently John Favreau played the Mando um, that was descending uh, in the episode The Sin um, yeah. that descended on the jetpack with the uh, minigun that was just yep. blasting away. Yep. But y- you didn't know it was John Favreau right away because his face is completely obfuscated. And yeah. so he even gets less recognition for that than Dave Filoni gets for being an X-Wing pilot. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and that's cool. I mean, it's these little things that are amazing. Um and I'm excited. I'm excited to see what else happens, what appears. You know, and, we've, and we've seen also, a few things. Also, while we're talking about little things, uh, some things that might not be so little when my wife is sitting in front of her 70-inch TV that she insisted on splurging <laughs> on last Christmas, and all of a sudden I see these nice, neat little white pods sticking out of the ground, and I go, oh, you're not going to like this. She goes, what? Uh, I said, it just... I'll let you know when it's over. What's going on? And the then watching as she just pulls back into the couch, absolutely just torn to bits. My wife her. hit her face also. <laughs> and I had to like, I had to tell her, okay, it's safe now. And then, and then it wasn't safe again. And I was like, sorry, that was not my fault. You know, I was just like squeeing in, in excitement and joy because it was a tie back to rebels and it was a tie back to Knights of the old Republic. Uh, those craft spiders. Oh man. I'm just like, Oh yeah. Uh, so, so minor minor correction because I know we're on the internet and inevitably somebody's going to uh, start typing right now. Uh, the Kinrath from Kinrath. Kotor are not the spiders that we saw. What we saw were Krikna, which Krikna. were only so far featured in Rebels, to my knowledge. Okay, excuse me. Yep, Krikna they are different, spiders. and and I forgive you because at first that's what I thought too, but then I was like, wait, it's not quite right, and then I had to look okay. it up eventually. All right, that's okay. Sorry, I'm ruining everything. No, you're not. No, no, you're not. no, 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 you're absolutely right. If we get anything wrong, as I have done several times now, yeah. we will absolutely get corrected, and I we should. Not, and we I'm should. not 100. percent You know, I know the the the, the crate dragons. I the spiders, yeah, not so much. I will have to double up on my spider lore. That's okay. See, that's the joy of doing the show together. You know, we're always helping each other out. We learn from one another. Yes. 
the spiders are awesome, though. I- I'm excited. I hope to see more. I know a lot of people are like, why would you ever do that? The spiders are just awesome. They are. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited to see episode three. Apparently, apparently episode four is slated to be directed by Carl Weathers, who plays Grief Karga. Um, he, and of course, I mean, just in terms of, of the history of cinema, Carl Weathers is not a small name. Carl Weathers is a, is a long standing, uh, you know, gift in the Hollywood community. So it's, it's excellent not only to have him on the show as an actor, but also contributing his wealth of experience as a director. I think he's going to tell a really strong story. Yeah. Yeah. The other one that we know officially is episode five was both written and directed by Dave Filoni. Which I cannot which, wait to see. Yeah, the the other uh, so last season episode five was also written and directed by Filoni. That was the gunsl- gunslinger. Mm, that was um, a great episode. It really was so so good, and I uh, yeah and man okay so okay, I'm sorry everybody. I've got to do my thing for just a second here. Please do your thing. I until last year did not watch um, Clone Wars. Like I'd seen it in the background and I knew generally what it was enough to absorb the lore that I needed to know, but I hadn't watched it. And so I wasn't very familiar with Dave Filoni as a storyteller, but over the last year I have steadily fallen in love with this man. Just as a storyteller, as a guardian of the star Wars universe, as really understanding the emotional beats and the things that make it feel the way that it's supposed to feel. I am so, so excited for the position that he has had the role that he's had in the Mandalorian. And I hope that with all of the changes that are happening inside of Lucasfilm and Disney, that he only continues to grow in magnitude because the dude gets it. And every time I see another interview with him and learn a little bit more about what's going on in his head, I feel like I grow as a storyteller and my appreciation for the universe continues to deepen every time. There you go. I got done with my soapbox. Thank you all. This has I been my TED Talk. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my <laughs> TED Talk. Um, I 100% agree with you. I, I'm in the same boat. Actually, to this day, uh, even though I'm a massive Star Wars fan, I still have not watched all of Clone Wars. I haven't watched Rebels. I've watched a few episodes here and there. Um, I've started it a few times and just never followed through. It's one of those things that like I'm I think it's because I I did not enjoy the prequels as much as I wish I had. And so when I watch Clone Wars, it harkens back to the prequel Arcana. And I'm just like, I don't know. But I know it's a good show. I know it's a great Star Wars story. I just need to give it time and a chance. And so I've been trying to be better about that. That said, uh Earlier this year when we did the Filoni Insights, uh, that episode, if you haven't seen, Mm. if you haven't heard that episode, go listen to the Filoni Insights. Um, His insight into uh, just the music, Duel of the Fates, and how it related to the storytelling of uh, The Phantom Menace, um, it absolutely changed my perspective 100% from where it was. And uh, and just listening, like you said, listening to him talk and divulge how he sees things and why the stories matter to him, I, I... I as a as a lifelong Star Wars fan, I kneel at his feet. He is the Uber fan and and I love what he brings to the table. Well, and if any of you out there have connections with him, I will do my very very best not to fangirl 
if it's ever possible that we get him on the show. I, I call no, to action. Get Dave Filoni on the show. Yeah, call to action. Let's get, <laughs> get him on the show to talk to him. And it wouldn't even have to be about Star Wars. I would love to pick his brain on how he comes up with story. Yeah. You know, how does he plot out a story? How does he pull in fine details but from here and there? Because that's the real gift that he has, is he's taking minute threads from the tapestry that is Star Wars and weaving them into a story. And we're getting little bits and pieces here and there that he's plugging in. I mean, a lot of these things he's he's pulling out of the Legends box and weaving them into the story for us. And and uh, do you guys do you guys get the feeling when you listen to him that like he's maybe shy isn't the right word, but that like this is his passion and this is his box. And so he comes out of his shell for star Wars, but it's like not he's because he's an introvert. Yeah. But, but well, not, yeah, but, but, but even beyond that, that like, I don't think he's a very presumptuous person. He doesn't seem like the kind of person who's going to stand in a room and say, well, John Favreau, let me tell you how this story actually needs to play out. I see him more as the guy who's quietly sitting in the corner, kind of squirming a little bit, <laughs> wringing his hands together as he's seeing things go in a different direction. And then very quietly, everybody turns and looks at him and says, what do you think? And he says, well, and then begins to just unfold <laughs> the way that it should be, but not in like a, this is how it has to be just a, yeah. here's how I think it should be. And by the end of it, everybody just like in the interviews is just dead silent and just is like, yeah, that's, that's the only way that it could have been. How could we have ever thought of anything else? <laughs> I, I definitely see him as a very humble man. He's definitely not, he doesn't, he's, he's not the type of person. Again, I haven't met him in person. This is just my assumptions based on what I've seen with interviews and stuff like that. He doesn't see himself as this amazing Star Wars guru that has been entrusted with the universe and we should all bow down to him. He sees himself as a humble storyteller that has just had the fortune of being able to work with George Lucas and see from his perspective. And because he's had that opportunity, he's able to see the universe through that lens. And with his ability, his unique talent, he is able to then harness that lens that he has been gifted and create story that fits in the universe through that lens um but i do i do agree with you he's he sits back he's not going to be the guy that's like you're dang wrong that's not how we do it uh, he's just like <laughs> you're he right, just though. waits and then when they turn to him it's like well let me let me explain how i see it using this lens i've been given and then he unfolds that uh which we saw in that that the filoni insight uh video where he's like and changes how the world views duel of the fates and phantom menace oh yeah um, um and it's it, because he's that lens none of us have that lens but he had that and he in that moment he gifted the, us that lens for a moment he did and was like, I, wow you know the, he tells his story of how he was an animator on avatar the last airbender when uh george lucas basically scooped him up right yeah. and, and was like uh hey i've got this idea for an animated show i think you'd be really great at it you know and so um 
I'm reminded of the quote by Loki when Loki in the Avengers says, I am burdened with glorious purpose. Um, I feel like that's sort of Dave Filoni's life because he never asked for it. He never thought it would come his way. He actually didn't believe it when they were saying, hey, George Lucas wants to meet with you Um, because in his mind, he was just an animator and um, he was helping to tell one story that had nothing to do with Star Wars whatsoever. And now his his dream job like came to him and i think it's because just by channels by network by the fact that he could tell a brilliant story in an animated scenario um he was recognized george lucas for all of his faults and foibles also is is blessed with great genius at other points and he could see the the value of filoni and all this and dave filoni has only you know we were talking earlier about uh, we've mentioned some things about the expanded universe and Star Wars Legends and and to be absolutely frank, huge Star Wars fan, but to be absolutely frank, there are, there are a number of things in the EU and in Legends that it's just like wow that feels sketch and I don't know that we can accept that as canon. But in the EU, it was just sort of like open source Star Wars. Anyone can add cool stuff, um, and I I think Filoni stepped in and he added so much to the canon that was of worth. He was very careful not to add fluff, not to add puffery, not to add waste. Um, he was very careful to add value to the mythos. And he talks about like um, what George said to him that guided him the entire time he was doing uh, the Clone Wars and Rebels and stuff. And then and then now Mandalorian, he's always guided by this one thing that Lucas said to him and it, and it changed his perspective on everything. And he has carried that torch with... Uh, great um, sobriety and he's honored he's he's brought honor to it so I think he's done an amazing job well and that's the thing I think is amazing about him is you know yeah he's pretty much a nobody George saw he had talent scooped him up he's had success with several Star Wars series and yet he's still the guy that's like just a storyteller doing my job you know, yeah. he literally could be like, look at me. I have, I am the only successful Star Wars st- storyteller. I am carrying the franchise. I am awesome. I should be the man. And he's not. He's just like, I'm just fortunate enough to have been given the opportunity to see through this lens that George saw through. And yeah. I'm able to use that to write in this universe and continue to bring great story. I think that's truly telling uh, of, of his character and, and of him. And I think that's why we're getting great stories still in this series there. It, it's not out there to push a social agenda. It's not out there to prove anything. It's just to deliver an amazing story to us fans, to the people that love this, this series, this franchise. Um, and and I really wish uh, that the powers that be would have had that same frame of mind when they did seven, eight, and nine. I think that's the biggest problem we have with those films is there wasn't an overall story arc. There wasn't that idea of we need to deliver a good story to our fans. It was no, this is ours. We're going to do it the way we want yeah. to. Um, which I get on one hand, but on the other hand, I think they totally missed the mark. Uh, with this franchise and I think they're learning on the back end that hey you don't need to push it just deliver something good and solid 
and the fans will love it. And that's what the Mandalorian is proving. It is. We're only, we're only two episodes into season two and they've already, you can see how much the show has grown since season one in terms of like its scope. Um, the way that they, if you get a chance to watch the Disney plus documentary series, uh, gallery, which is where we got some of our, um, which is what spawned the Filoni insights. Um, they they show the incredible technology through Unreal Engine that they're using um, to create virtual sets. And it's just incredible uh, how they're using real-time calculation of parallax view to get everything just right. It's beautiful what they've done. And when you watch episodes 9 and 10, you realize that they don't lean so heavily on on that massively important but singular technology. They actually take it into the next realm of production and now the scope is so much bigger um i remember watching the the chase sequence in episode 10 and i was thinking because they go you know they go from space through atmo into the planet um and and there are these different levels of aviation going on they had to animate all of that in a way that was believable and realistic to the eye and they did just a genius it was just beautiful it was brilliant um, the scope of this show has obviously increased, uh, and I and I couldn't be happier about it. There, there, and what I like, you know, sometimes you get into a situation where you operate on a shoestring budget, and you know, necessity is the is the mother of invention and and innovation, and so you see a lot of really clever things done for very cheap because you have to. Then, when that thing becomes successful, they throw money at it, and then you start to see waste. And you see squander and you see that it's not as good because now they don't have to try so hard to make their resources last. They have almost unlimited resources or exponentially more. This show did not do that. They got more resources and they used every bit of the buffalo, as uh, as the director of The Incredibles would say. Yeah. Um, they, they, they did not squander anything. They didn't go – they didn't overscope themselves. But they did expand the scope, and I think it 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 it's beautiful. It fits like a glove. It's it, they've done such a great job with this show. No, I now, agree. We don't we don't have too much time left, but everybody out there by this point, if you haven't figured out, we are very smitten. We're very excited for what's coming next. We think that this season has some great potential. So the final question that I would ask to you guys. Um, you know, before we go, obviously, first off, if you're listening to us right now and you have a differing opinion, or if you are not in love, let us know. We want to hear the alternative viewpoint, but for Krebs and Dan and I, what is something that you are hoping for or wanting to see more of in this season that we haven't seen yet? Um, and I'll start. So, um, for me, Season one had, uh, and I'm, I'm seeing some of it already, but season one had some disparate ideas that kind of had to start to come together, but we are seeing a lot of Mando's interactions with other people, mercenary type figures and things like that. I would love to see a meaningful return and a meaningful loss of one of those characters from season one. Not out of just a desire for fan service, but as a real way to help to tie these seasons together and to be able to up the ante for what I imagine is going to be a crazy season three. 
So that's that's the thing that I am looking for is bring back somebody and we would need to lose them meaningfully. Uh, Krebs? Man, that's such a great question. You know, I think I think the low-hanging fruit here, of course, is we've got to revisit Grief Cargo. We've got to revisit um, Moff Gideon. We have to get Cara Dune back. I think those. I think that's all the low-hanging fruit, and and those are all but guaranteed at this point, anyway. We already know that uh, m- all of those are coming back this season. Um, but if I had my druthers, I would like to see, I would like to see Mando's commitment to his religion um be strained or or rather that the commitment to his religion um strains his ability to do what he desires most in some scenario i would let for example i would love to see a greater mando a greater a, a greater mandalorian arrive and just dominate mando and this now challenges his belief in his religion. It, trans- it challenges his trust in the other Mandalorian. Um, you know, it, I want to see, I want to see a test of faith, and ultimately, I want to see his faith pay off. I don't want to go down the tropish route of let's just let's just trounce religion and let's just shatter faith. No, no, no. I want when faith is tested, and when faith is true. It is almost always rewarded in a way that cannot be expected. I want to see him tested and I want to see him rewarded. Love it. Dan? Uh, Ultimately, I want to see that this TV series connects with the universe as a whole. You know, right now we're seeing small glimpses, which I think is a setup. You know, we've seen R5, but I, I want to see this series connected to rebels or to clone wars or which we've kind of um you know or or to the movies themselves we've kind of seen hints we've seen the dark saber that's a hint back to clone wars and to rebels we've seen r5 that's kind of a connection to uh episode four i really would like to see a stronger connection than these smaller items you know there's rumors that we're going to see those connections um but I would love to see those come to fruition because then this series really solidifies as part of the overall story that all of these smaller stories within this wonderful galaxy far, far away is connected. And we've seen those in books. We've seen that in comic books where we've seen those small connections. And, you know, we know that it's part of that bigger scope with things being pushed to legends that kind of took that away in some aspects. Um, and I get that they're they're building their own new sa- legend sandbox, uh, so to say, within the within their own canon. Um, and I'd like to see that because ultimately, if we can establish that and build this new canon, I think, and do it in a good way. Let me put that caveat in there because if it's not done <laughs> in a good way, it's just a mess. Um, but if they can do it in a good way and keep what they're doing, ultimately. When we're done with this series, whether it's five, six, seven years down the road, or even three, we only get three seasons, this series will be worth it. It will be worth watching over and over again, just like the, the films are, the original films are, um, just like Clone Wars or Rebels are. I love watching those series because every time I watch it, there's something new in there that, I, that I, I'm seeing for the first time, even though I know I've watched that episode before. Um, at the same time, 
I also feel invested with those characters. You know, every... Okay, before I say anything, both of you have seen all of Rebels, correct? No. But go ahead, I don't mind. Dang it. Okay. I won't put in details. It's okay. But there is it's a my moment fault. at the end of the series that I always cry. I always... Tears well up because of a sacrifice made. And I know it's coming, but every time I still feel the same power of emotions in that moment because I have been so invested within that character that when that sacrifice is made, every time it still has meaning, even though I know it's coming, even though I see it happen again and again. I want that same feeling in Mando, and I, I, and I hope we get that. Um, you know, even... Even if it's a side character, the way these guys have done and built up these side characters, they have meaning. You know, yeah. Timothy Oliphant's character, the Marshal. I want to see him again. I'm invested. I love that character. He may never show up again, but I love that character so much. I want to see him again. Cara Dune. I want to see her again. There's several other characters I'd love to see again, and it's because they've done them right. So I'm going to wrap up because otherwise I'll just keep talking on this soapbox. <laughs> Because that's how much I love these characters. Uh, Mando is a phenomenal series. If you have not watched it, you've done yourself a disservice. Go tell yourself you're sorry and fix it. And it isn't just the child. Even though that may be the popular figure that everybody has caught on to, understand that there is a lot more meat on that bone. And if you are not a fan of all the child hullabaloo that's happened over the last number of months, you're, there is still plenty for you. Absolutely. You know, the child is just, he, he's the, he's how Jar Jar Binks should have been, been done. Yeah, I can yeah, see yeah. that. He, he's sweet, he's cute, he attracts the small kids, but he's not done in a way that's stupid and o- overzealous. And asinine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he still does silly, goofy things, but he does it in such a cute way and a silly way that he's like, oh, just look at him. He's charming, um, but he's not the yeah. show. And yeah. hopefully that's how you feel about us, too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I, he, I'm again, the charming one. I'm just not the show. Yeah. Again, what he does still brings meaning and story to the story where Jar Jar was just, yeah, why? Yeah. Why is he sticking his tongue in the electric field? Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So, folks, check out the show. Give us your feedback. We'd love to hear your opinion so far. If you hate the show, that's okay. That's that's your opinion, and you deserve your opinion. You have every right to your own opinion, just like we have you know, our own opinion. And we do want to hear it. We want to hear your challenge points. We want to hear your positive points, if you agree with us or what your thoughts have been. Um, you know, I know there's someone that thinks uh, the ferryman in one of the last episodes of season one is completely creepy because no R2 unit should have legs and an arm. It's just <laughs> wrong. But I think it's cool. It just shows that droids can be upgraded with uh, different parts. Um, So give us your thoughts. Give us your opinions. And tune in next week because we will have another Rad Dome Turkey Bowl edition. Oh, yeah. And it will be (laughs) unlike anything you've heard before. And whether you be Sith or Jedi or bounty hunter or politician, tell your story, whatever may come. And always remember, my friends on the internet, be epic, don't suck.
Remember, the Force will be with you always.